welcome back to the Boss and the Brewer podcast episode number three. This one is so cool. Hendo messaged me during the week and said, hey, mate, we've got a guest this week, which was surprising to me because we hadn't really talked about doing guests. And um, he said the topic was going to be untapped. And so I didn't really have any expectation of who the guest might be, but he eventually filled me in that the guest was going to be Mazen Hajar from Hawkers, which was awesome because Mazen's a friend of mine. He's a friend of Hendo's. He's one of the real characters of our industry and also one of the great minds of our industry. He's opinionated. He's very smart. He's successful. He's good fun. And the the chat did not disappoint. I don't want to introduce him too much before it. Let's just get into it. But um, absolutely love that he's a legend. We had a good chat about a lot of good topics. I hope you guys enjoy it. Yo. Endo. What's going on? I can hear you, but I can't see you. I'm trying to start my um, camera and it doesn't seem to like this for some reason. Okay. Let's try this. Oh, there we go. There oh, I am. There we go. How are you, mate? Awesome, man. What's going on? Oh, I didn't notice the Ava trophy in the back there. Is that is that was that the uh, the Gypsy Brewer one? Gypsy, yeah, from um, 2016. So. Yeah, nice. That, I think that might have been the first one we went to. I think it was, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of my crowning achievements. Hopefully, not my last AIBA trophy though. No, I'm sure it won't be. But um, yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one to win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty proud of that one, actually. Yeah, so it's pretty good. How are you doing, man? Good. Good. On the brew deck today, as per the flano here? I can tell. Yeah. Whenever the Gladfield flano comes out, uh, we know that you're brewing. Did you yep. put in the hops? Yeah, I did the dry hop. Yes. Yep. Um, we brewed a cold IPA. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm doing one with Maddie from Revel uh, next month. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Interesting style, though. I've never tried one. Have you tried one? Uh, yeah, I've had uh, Bridge Roads one. Oh, yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty good. It's interesting. They're very bitter. Yeah, okay. Um, and lots of people think, oh, is it an IPL? Is it an IPA? And you know what? Fuck it. People like Whatever. drinking it. Who cares? Yeah, IPL's a style I haven't had for a while, actually. They were kind Amateur. of popular back in the day, weren't they? Are they well, still I did one, going around? Uh, yeah, I did one um, brew cult years ago and had my good friend Matt Hoffman on the um, Oh, Big the Rage Quit. Yeah. Yes, I remember that one. Yeah, that was I great, remember all man. your beers, Hendo. Oh, thanks, man. It was um, a lot of fun. I, speaking of beer, are you drinking a beer at the moment? I, I am about to... Um, I'm about to crack one here, and uh, I just randomly reached for this one here. Uh, that is Ooh. Helios Kronos 2021. Foolishly, uh, it is an imperial porter at nine and a half percent. Well, that's a that's a big undertaking. Well, I've been sitting on it for a while, and I think um, I think Gadzi, one of my students, gave it to me. No glass? Huh? Not, not going to put that into a glass? No, it's in a glass already. Wow. Okay. See, this kind of beer I can drink out of a can. I can't be on brand, you know, when um, I suppose you know, when you're drinking a beer like that out of a glass. Anyway, 
Well, I've got I got East Coast Haze. Bloody delicious. Oh, good. I got East Coast Haze in a can and in an East Coast Case cooler, so you can't get more on brand than that. Can you show us that? It looks like double denim. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Whoa! Yeah. Don't <laughs> such a cracking can, looking can, eh? Yeah, it's so fun. Uh, shout out to Dave Heaviside. We, we've got the the uh, can design awards in our agenda today, actually, so we can talk about that. There's not yeah, a whole lot of news this week, but I do have a few things on here. Um, so I've got. Well, first of all, I've got a strategy for Elon and it's so far it's worked. So Elon's my dog. So, so far it's working. Um, he's is this staring. the leg humping? Yes, this is to combat the humping. So he's, I've got, I've got his food bowl up there on the table, right? And the next right. to his food, because he hasn't, he hasn't eaten yet. And next to his food bowl, I've got some peanut butter frozen into another bowl. So, and he's staring at it. He's not even looking at me. So... I've got a three-phase plan, right? Phase one right. is just leave it there. And if he's happy to stare at it for an hour, then we're good to go. Okay. But I figure he's going to get bored. So two is I'll give him the food. And then three is if he, st- if he comes over and humps me again, I'll give him the peanut. But it kind of feels like I'm rewarding him for humping me. But yeah. anyway, this, this is the strategy. Phase four, smear the peanut butter on your leg. Wow. <laughs> I hadn't thought about phase four, but... Okay, if we're we stopping from humping, yeah, it is. It is frozen, <laughs> so it, it should take him a while to get through. Anyway, let's see how that goes. Because that doesn't peanut work. Peanut butter. I've never heard of that. Is, are dogs can dogs eat peanut butter peanuts? Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, have you know uh, those Kong things, those rubber things? You shove them, mm-hmm. shove like snacks and peanut butter and stuff inside them, and they mm-hmm. they get a, get into them for hours and hours. So yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's the plan, and that doesn't work. I could put him outside, but I don't really know if he knows what it's like to go outside, so that you might get scared about that. Well, there you go. Yeah. What's in the news, mate? Um. Well, before we get to the news, oh, Marzen's here already. Seven oh seven. Jeez, he doesn't. Is he? My, He's my early. Friend. Oh, that's you know, our first guest. You've just given away our first guest. Well, I have given it away, but the thing is that people are not going to listen to this until they click the link, which is going to have Marzen's name in it. Right. So they're going to know who the guest is already. Okay. Um, if it was live, we could have done a big kind of reveal. Yes. Yes. But here we are. We've got Marzen. That's right. We do. Um, he rung me just before and he said, you just sent me an invite to a podcast at 7.15. You sent it to me at 7.35. Um. That's Queensland time, though. Yes. He's not on the daylight saving. Yeah. He's on the daylight saving. Yeah. Oh, well, I might yeah, as well get him first, in here. I, I had some housekeeping, the, but I might as well get him get him in the mix. It's, it's, the, it's the first week of daylight saving, so everybody's confused. So. Well, there you go. I should have put that in the news, and then we would have had, had some newsworthy content to talk about. Um, Look at him go. By the way, Mazen informed me he's one of our 12 listeners from last week's episode. Yeah. Shit, eh? Well, wonders never cease. Yeah, well, I don't know if he was just doing his research to come on this show or he yeah. was just a diligent listener. Yeah. Hello, Maz. How are you, mate? Hey, gents. There he is. Going no on. video. Can't see your oh, beautiful on, face, mate. Hang on, hang on. Oh, shit. No, there turn it, turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, legend? Good, good. How are you guys? Awesome, man. Are you, in the, are you on the brew deck as well? We've got all the bosses sitting on the brew deck. No, 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 no. This is all, you see the, the virtual light. Oh, it's me? fake. Oh, it's, it's fake. like, yeah. Have you ever seen um, the movie The Castle? Uh, no, I've been trying to get a copy of it. Everyone oh, my God. It. Uh, 20 years ago, I used to be a tour guide in Europe and I had 
the castle on VHS and I used to play it in the bus every day. <laughs> and I, six months, I, I watched the castle literally every day, laughed my ass off for six months every day. It was so funny. Anyways, one of the scenes in it is like a chimney and it's like, see that chimney? Fake. And it's like, see that brewery? Fake. <laughs> Wait, don't you need some kind of special equipment to do this? Because I could, I think my computer's too old to do this. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be staring at an air conditioner and a white wall. I'll just go into preferences. No, I don't think it works. I think you need a fancy computer. I tried this at the start of you COVID. Don't. No, you, don't. Don't you, you own the company, don't you? Don't you do an upgrade? Well, I only own a certain percentage of the company. But yeah. um, yeah, I probably am. It's a six-year-old computer, but I bought a good one, so it's kind of lasted a while. Go into your Zoom preferences. I'm not doing it now. We're live on this podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I, maybe I will actually. No, see, I can't. I don't think I can do it. Yeah, go into too old. background. Background. Oh, so you, see blur, so you do. I have a green screen. Huh? Well, you don't have a green screen. I do not green have a green screen. screen. Oh, there, oh there you go. Look at that. Uh, that's that's my garage. Okay, there we go. We're done. Yeah, there you go. And only part of the company I own. Eh? Yeah, it's amazing. That's well, a big company. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a beer, Maz? It has it has a badge. It has a horse on it. It's uh, it's uh, pretty. Yeah. yeah. Enzo's my cousin. Yeah. Have you got a beer, Maz? And that's part of the deal. Like, well, I don't think we told you this. I got to oh, take this geez. flannel off. It's bloody hot. Christ. Bloody beer drink. It's hot in this garage. It's coming into summer, and um, it's going to get hot. It's hot already. Yeah. I fired up my air conditioner yesterday for the first time, and I went. It's October. It's going to be a hot summer. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Betcha Mazin's got something really fucking fancy. Dragon would be comes back with a fancy. You take beer. the under or over on the ABV on your beer. Oh, I don't know yet. We'll see what he. I'll we'll take the under. Comes ABV up with. on your beer. Uh, nine and a half, mate. I've got a Helios Kronos. And what's your beer? East Coast Haze, four and a half percent. Hang on. Lucky. Oh, what's that? Lucky 13. What is Plato? going on with the screen here? This is crazy. This is the, okay, hang on. I've got to hide it behind me. See that beer, Hendo? Yeah, Fake. what the hell is that? <laughs> Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah, awesome, man. 5.4. 4. 100% normal. What's, what's, uh, yeah, yeah. 100% normal to Pilsner mold. 100% yeah. Saz Hops. 90% tank. Lagering away. Shit, mate, that sounds like an expensive beer. Are you uh, are you trying to give Rattenhund a run for its money, mate? <laughs> Ratta who? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. At least he's That's got a glass. Good looking beer, good looking beer mate. Hendo's drinking a 10% stout out of a can. Cheers. It's a can. Hendo's a fucking pedestrian. Well, <laughs> you really <laughs> thought about that one. I thought that was going to be something worse. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh yes, there's nothing like a great Pilsner, honestly. Uh, is that is that just come out this week, Maz? Yep. Um, will we see any in Queensland? The problem with Queensland was um, just before COVID, our our uh, sales rep there quit. Yeah. To go become a brewer, and uh, COVID hit, and so we got slammed. We lost 40 percent of our business, mm -hmm. which was our keg business. And we lost uh, all the contract uh, that we were doing, which was 30% of our business. Mm. That just shut down. 
And so we went into panic survival mode. So the last thing I was going to do is try and hire a new rep in Queensland while we're in shutdown and while we're in survival mode. So um, we decided to pull out of Queensland um, service uh, ACP out of uh, Sydney. Yeah. And try and regroup and refocus. We didn't know. But the problem is we haven't been able to come back to Queensland because every time we pop open for two, two minutes, we, we shut down again. Uh, do you send beer you... at all at all to Queensland? Like like through a distributor? Do you send beer no. through a distributor right no, no, now? Because no. I, I, I was trying to find some. I'm not I'm not keen on on uh, on. We've always had very good traction in Queensland, and unless I'm there to service the beer myself with through my team, I'd rather not do it that way. Yeah, that's mm. fair. fair well, enough. I did have intentions of getting a Hawker's beer to have on the podcast today, but. I... You know, you could afford it that online, and then I was supposed to have probably not delivered. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even know who the guest was. Hendo said, "Oh, we've got a guest coming on." I'm like, "Oh, cool! He's going to whinge about untapped." I'm like, "Oh, I wonder who this is." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to do. We, well, we were planning on doing our little bit of housekeeping and then getting to some questions, Maz. But I've got. I'll go through the housekeeping now because we're a bit behind. Um, podcast reviews. We don't have any. But we do have yeah. some ratings, which I thought was cool. Who the hell's listening to us? I don't know. I mean, Matt listened. Matt Kirkengard yeah. listened because he emailed me. He said, said he, "All right, that's that's two. That's two. Um, but if there's if there's other people listening, on Star Show, my name, or was it under anonymous? Oh, did you give us a review? One star. Was oh, you bastard! <laughs> we'll take what we can get. Well, if there is anyone listening who enjoys this podcast then give, give us a, a five-star rating before you listen to the rest of this episode with Marzen, yeah. okay because i can't That's promise wrong. anything after this one but, yeah uh <laughs> we we have an email list boss hendo was going to subscribe to it and i just checked we had five people last week we have five oh, people shit. this week so have i not subscribed you have not subscribed so do better okay um, and we're on a podcast. We don't need to hear the keyboard. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to subscribe to this yeah. uh, amazing it's, it's uh, email list. Yeah, get on it. It's easy. MailChimp. Um, and the other thing is we have an email address, bossandthebrewer at gmail.com because we do do uh, a fan question segment. And so it'd be cool if people could email us questions. So feel free to do that. We've got some for this show. And actually, the one I had for this show is a good one for you, Maz. So that was lucky. Um, oh, brilliant. The, the other thing on here I put on here, Hannah, which I just noticed today, was to, today is the seven-year anniversary of the first Black Ops beer that we brewed that we sold commercially. I saw that photo on Facebook yes. today. And that was the, very cool. It's the two-year anniversary since you were in Japan, which we talked about last week. Yeah, that's right. And um, um, Eddie has not aged a bit. Well, I think I actually look younger, which is weird. It's uncomfortable yeah. for everybody, but, I, you know... I. It is what it is. You yeah, can't, it's you amazing. can't deny it. So, how you do it, I don't know, but well done. I don't, I don't know either. Kudos, kudos um, for your good looks and good health. Thank you, thank you. That's very nice. This is how this podcast works, man. <laughs> we just we just give each other compliments. So you, it's going to be very you, difficult you two, for you. You you to feed off each other's bullshit, and I, I sit there and listen. Yeah, like, yeah, that's pretty much it. You just get a room. <laughs> nah, nah. We live in different cities. It's too hard. 
Oh, I should go I, down I the actually, coast for a beer. I was in Brizzy today, actually, because we were brewing the 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 cold IPA is a birthday beer for Brisbane, which coincides with the Black Ops anniversary when we launched originally. So that's why I was oh, in you, Brizzy. You brewed it at BH3. We did, yeah. Ah. And and by brewed it, I went to Brisbane. I sat there and worked on my computer while Mick made the beer, mm-hmm. and then I I yelled at him, "Do you need to help with the dry hop?" And he said, "No, he's fine." And that was it. All right there, you go. So job done. Matt is thoroughly confused. <laughs> <laughs> I get dragged into this shit. You might. <laughs> all right, all right. So the format is: we normally run through the headlines, and then we've got some hard questions, and then some fan questions. Okay, so I'll run through some headlines. It's there's not a whole lot this week. The, the few I've got down here is one is the IBA submission about competition in Australia, calling the Aussie market the most restrictive market in the world referring to the previous findings of the TAP contracts review, which I know is something that Marzen likes to talk about, and the kind of lack of opposition to the Asahi CEB acquisition. Um, we've got the Indies judging, which is complete, but I still haven't heard when it is. So I, I don't know if anyone's got an update on that, but that would be cool. I, have, I was there and I asked and I don't, I don't know. Well, I, th- Ian, oh, I think it's going to be... said the same thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be in November. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Well, they're hoping that everybody's out of lockdown and they can make some sort of event out of it. Oh, okay. That's weird, but okay. Yeah. Um, and the Gabs Can Design Awards, which we referred to before, is now live. That's Did about you enter, the- Maz? Sorry? The Gabs Can Awards? Yes, we yes. entered with our triplicity. Oh. Oh. Nice. Very good. So you obviously didn't vote for us, Hendo. I'll be taking notes of that. Oh, I don't do I don't do that. Voting Gabs thing. It's well, just... it's, it's it's probably not as big as the normal Gabs, but it's not a bad thing because you get last year we made the top ten, and when I went down to Gabs in Melbourne, that our bloody can up on a massive billboard inside Gabs. Oh, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, I think Dan's a bit obsessed with, with popularity. Personally, 100%. I don't think that. That's right. That's his middle name, Dan look, Popularity Norris. Look, look at my garage in the background here. <laughs> You don't drive. You don't drive Ferraris for convenience, do you? The, the yeah, great thing right. about your image is your air conditioning still comes through. Yeah, well, yes, it's pretty hot. It's hot. It's hot in the garage. Yeah, it's yeah, very but, hot. I in mean, here. it's that air conditioning seems to be like a UFO thing hovering on its own space. But it <laughs> melts well into the background. It's it's well done, Dan. Well done. You like that? Great design. I'm glad you like it. All right, so. Do you guys want to talk about this ACCC thing? Do you, do you care about the Indies, the, the IBA telling people oh, it sucks or do you think that's just you're not starting, going to You're starting on something that I really want to talk about untapped. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. He's trolling and I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what he's putting down. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure you want to go down that route? Yeah. I mean, I heard you the other day say, oh, good on them. And I agree. Good on them um, for selling out. I mean, for me, it's not selling out. They're basically cashing in. I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with people who work hard and getting a payday because the reality is whether you sell your company or whether you retire or whether you go public or whether you pass it on to other shareholders, everybody at some point hopes to retire. I have no problem with that, no problem whatsoever. What I have a problem with is the hypocrisy of the way it was done. This kind of standing up on a, on a high hill and screaming at everybody that you don't need to sell. And then the minute they're the, the number comes up. Oh, we had to sell because we couldn't grow. I mean, everyone knows Stone and Wood is, is a cash machine and they could have financed anything they wanted to if they had decided to continue. What I also take issue is, is with people 
who sell out that then stand up on the hill because the way the big guys kind of seem to be structuring the deals these days is that here's a down payment and we'll pay you the second batch in five years just to make sure that you wash you, you, you down the sense of, of uh, the purchase, right? So that people go, oh, hang on. Scotty and Sterling are still at Walter, or hang on, MC and, and, and Red are still, and Jack are still at, at Pirate Life. The reality is, once their second paycheck comes up, no one gives a shit about what's going on. Mm. You can say fucked, it's okay. Yeah, and I, I don't appreciate these guys standing up and going, oh, we found, uh, uh, what's the word they use? We found custodian. a custodian. The C word. Custodian. Yeah. Yes. Everyone knows that the company that owns uh, Little Creatures and Lion is Kirin. And everyone, but not many people know that the company that owns Kirin is Mitsubishi. And the best part about it is they're trying to convince us that three hippies from Byron Bay have convinced Mitsubishi to adopt their corporate culture. Please spare me the fucking bullshit. Take your paycheck and get the fuck out of my face. (laughs) <laughs> right. okay. i take full responsibility for the direction this podcast has gone in can i can i say one thing two things actually one is this stone and wood deal seemed to be a little bit different i did read that the current founders were staying on in a consultative capacity or something for 12 months and that seems to be different to other acquisitions and probably a reflection of the fact that the founders were not well as i understood it i think ross was was there you know full time he may have even been CEO, I think, but I think Jamie and, and Brad were kind of exiting ish, right? So they were kind oh, of around. They deserved the paycheck. They got in at the right time. They landed on Pacific Ale, which to me is, is a fantastic coincidence of opportunities, right? They landed on Galaxy Hops when no one was around. They made this very easy drinking, light, refreshing beer. Honestly, Stone and Wood beyond, I mean, counterculture is, what, a year old? Um, you know, the, the, if you look at what they're doing, Green Coast Lager, that used to be in a green bottle. Anyone who cares about their craft beer doesn't stick their beer in a green bottle. And then their three and a half percenter is in a transparent bottle brewed at Hienda in Coca-Cola. When they themselves stood up and kicked up the shitstorm about Byron Bay brewing, hiding the fact where they're brewing. Uh, but you, I, mean, okay, the, but you, I, I get that. You're not answering my question, though. The, 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 yeah. the, point, the point about the five-year thing doesn't seem to apply to Stone and Wood. Like, they're saying they're going to be around for 12 months. So it sounds like they got paid. They got yeah. paid really well. And, and can you imagine if they got up and said, ah, oh, we don't care. Have a nice day, Lion. Goodbye. Hasta la vista. Yeah. Uh, and and the, 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 the thing that bugs me is that people go, oh, yeah, Lion, uh, Stone and Wood was challenging the big guys. Stone and Wood didn't challenge anyone, man. Furphy, which was set up, Three years ago, it's five uh, times. People on that, but Furphy, when was it set up? Uh, I think it's like 2014, 2015, or something like that. Whatever. I mean, much later than Stone and Wood is about three mm. times the size of Stone and Wood. Mm. So when when Lion and CB decide to set something up, if they really go hard at it, they really don't. I mean, they're not threatened by twenty million liters. Twenty million liters is is, is industrial waste at at one of their plants. So. They're only using these beers to block our market access, our independent market access onto the taps. You know, when CUB got to the point where they couldn't hold on to their taps because no one wanted to pour 
fat yak, Pacific yak, suck my yak, lazy yak, dick up yak. They have to come up with something innovative, right? How many other yaks you got? I have no fucking idea. They seem to be endless. Uh, I mean, you know, they had all sorts of yaks coming out of yak. Um, They had to come up with something different. And so now they walk into a bar. They say, look, we cared about Carlton Graft on Everything else doesn't fucking matter. Here, you want to start? We've got all these six craft breweries that can provide you with a start. You want an IPA? We've got six IPAs. You want this? We've got... And all that does is it actually stunts uh, the, the, the development of the craft beer market. We started craft beer in Australia at the same time as the Americans. Now, I know it's a bigger population. This has nothing to do with percentages. Percentages are irrelevant of population. We're at 7% market share. Now we're probably going down to 5 In the U.S. and advanced states like Oregon, they're at 50% because they were able to educate and engage. I spend my time knocking black hops off the tap, and they spend their time knocking me off the tap because out of the 10 taps that are there in a pub, there are two that are rotating that can never actually have any sort of permanency. Our cost of servicing these bars is so much more expensive because our reps have to go in five times to get a keg sale, whereas these guys have eight taps. One guy calls them up. And, and make sure that, huh? Hmm. I hired the guy who sat in South Bank, who managed a region in New South Wales he had never been to on behalf of CUB, who pulled up pubs and, and basically hassled them on their allocation for the week. They hadn't met their quota for the week. Hmm. I've got a little bit of a take, a bit different take about the Stonerwood sale than, than yourself. I, I do, although I do agree that um, it is a move to block independent beer. I think the big tell for me was when Stone and Wood came out with Green Coast in a three and a half percent version in a flint bottle. That said to that, me that well, this, this said to me that that I think that Lion are going to make a play for um, Great Northern, right? Great Northern, biggest selling beer in the country. Does Lion have anything that competes remotely near it? Fuck no. Who drinks well, Lion? Tried, who, who drinks? Who drinks Lion Jack? Jack. Yeah. Who drinks Lion Jack? Exactly. Nobody. Right, because no one cares, and 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 you know, I, I said a while ago that Great Northern have done a really good job creating a sense of locality, being local. Right, they call it Great Northern Brewing Company. That's the beer from up here and all that sort of stuff. And we all know that it's fake message, but people, you know, generally the general population think think that it's a it's a real deal thing. And I think Green Coast will give that to Lion. I think you'll see. I, I my my prediction is is in twenty four months you'll see Green Coast. Um, nipping at the heels of Great Northern. I mean, the, the best part, absolutely, I agree 100%. And you know, the, the funniest thing is the, these sales, if you just look at the history of these transactions as they happen, there are great indications of what's going on, right? When AB InBev tried to buy SAB Miller, SAB Miller as a defensive move bought Fosters, bought CUB. Hmm. You know, the, all, just to put their valuation one step higher so that AB InBev couldn't afford to borrow that much money to buy the whole group. Mm. And AB InBev went away and chipped away at their lost purchases, reduced their debt levels, and a couple of years back uh, later came back and bought the whole group. And as a concession, when they bought Sab Miller, the first thing that concession said was, we're happy to dump Australia. That's a non-core market for us. 
when they when when most of the commission anti-competitive uh, uh, commissions in in the U.S. and in Europe said, no, nah, that's not good enough. They had to dump Peroni. They had to dump Grolsch. They had to dump all um, all these beers, including Camden Town in, in the U. Sorry, not Camden Town. They dumped the other one. Meantime, in the U.K., so they dumped mm-hmm. a whole bunch. They stripped a bunch of the portfolios, which were sold to Asahi. And Asahi, all of a sudden, overnight, became the number one brewer in 10 East European countries. I mean, the, the bizarreness of this, of this deal. Mm. Left AB InBev with this Australia that doesn't really matter. It's non-core to them. They don't really give a damn about it. And the ZX Ventures went in and bought Boozbud and bought you know, all these things and then bought Pirate Life and bought... Um, yeah, okay. Mountain Goat. No, Mountain Goat was Asahi. Oh, oh yes, 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 sorry. Yep, yeah. yep. And, and when they sold, they dumped everything. They dumped Boozbud, they dumped everything out of their portfolio and just left and bolted. And Asahi inherited this. So when people say, you know, I had an argument with MC from Pirate Life on the stage in, in Adelaide, and he said, ah, I'm still in charge. I said, well, your directors of Pirate Life, first of all, the headquarters of Pirate Life is South Bank, Victoria. The three, di- the four direct- five directors back then were a Brazilian, a, a Belgian, an American, and two Melbournians. And he said, no, I'm still in, in command of, of the ship. The minute they sold to Asahi, I called him up as a joke to send him some sushi for lunch. And he wasn't in the office. He hadn't even heard who his new boss is. Yeah. So the idea that somehow these breweries, even if they're left, it's not a question about the quality of the beer. Because we all know AB InBev and Asahi and Kiran have endless resources and labs and research. You know, Carlsberg invented the Carlsberg flask. And, and, and that's why we have yeast today. So it's not a question of the ability of these guys. When, when AB InBev decided to build the battle program at Goose Island, they spent $65 million, or some crazy number, and built the best battle program on earth. It's not the quality of the beer that we're, we're debating. It's what is happening and the anti-competitive behavior. This is a country about a fair go for everybody. What makes our industry special is the 800 or so little brewers who have dreams in their eyes who are pursuing their dream and just want a fair go. That's, that's my only concern with it. It's not big versus small. It's not they make shit beer, they make good beer. No. And it's not that the big companies don't have great people in them. They do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends work for, for the big companies. It's the way they use these little brands to block our market access. Mm-hmm. That is my issue with the whole process. And, and these guys will get a nice big paycheck, stand up and say, hey, we couldn't do it alone. Thank God they came because the world was coming to an end and nothing good exists outside of their universe. Fuck off with that shit. <laughs> What's the... Um... Can, can, I say, can I say one thing, Mazen? I, I, I share some of that sentiment around, you know, you kind of... It's like in, in, the, you know, in the movie Chopper and he's, and he's fighting Keithy George at the start and he's fighting him every fucking week and they've almost killed each other and then at the end he's, he's kind of like figures out that they don't really have anything against each other. He's like, why, why are we fucking fighting each other for five years? Uh, it's kind of like that when they, you know, when companies bag out the majors nonstop forever and then sell and then all of a sudden they're great. I, I get that that's annoying and inconsistent, but I also think people change their minds too. And, 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 and not just people change their minds. I think it's okay to change your mind, but 
in, this, in a situation like the Stone and Wood one, I'm leaving open the possibility that they didn't all particularly want to do this. They just had, they made the decision together. And I'm fine with that. The problem is they all had to jump on board and sing and dance. Yeah. Uh, would have been yeah. a very, very tightly written agreement about yeah. the message. I, I am okay. I'm telling you, frankly, if someone comes to me with a stupid check, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm not for sale. I mean, this is, mm. this is hypocritical and bullshit, mm. right? Mm. I, I, I do what I do because I love what I do, but I love my son way more. If someone gives me $500 million and I can, I can secure my son forever, <laughs> sorry, yeah. beer, beer is a distant second to that, right? Sure. That's not the issue. The issue is just I'm fighting to have an equal footing in the market. Let the consumer, if your beer is so great, let the consumer choose. If you walk in, I, I, and I tell you, probably given the choice, a lot of consumers still choose Bolter, right? Mm -hmm. They don't need CUB behind them to still grow and sell. And a lot of people still choose Stonewood. Mm -hmm. Let these things stand on their own merit. Give us a fighting chance. It's healthy for everyone. Having competition, if I put out a shit beer, I learn from it and I try and make it better if I'm open to competition. If I'm protected on tap and there's nothing other than me, what's the incentive to improve? Where is the variety? Mm. Look, yeah, at the you know tap, I, you know, look at the tap yeah. space when you walk into a bar. It all looks the same. Yeah. Do you know what I've been thinking about for the last few minutes? Mm -hmm. uh, thinking about whether my dog is under control? No. Okay, go on. Why, 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 no, why Mazin sent MC some sushi when he sold? <laughs> What's the fucking story there? Did you like put it in the post and mail it and it got all stinky no, by the time no, it no, arrived no, or what? I order sushi to his office. Yeah. Uh, because it, it because it's a Japanese CB... company. That's right. That's why. When CB oh. from AB InBev sold to Asahi. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, you, you could have sent him a rice lager or something. So, so hang on. That would so be more Hendo, relevant. Hendo is running the show with you, yeah? It's supposed to be the knowledgeable one. I mean, you, you're the one doing all the talking. So it seems like you're, you know what? I'm going to actually leave you guys for a minute because I'm going to sort this dog out and get another beer. My beer was just about finished. Uh, <laughs> Ask him about untapped I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I've got a, I've got a backup beer here because I don't know if I can finish a nine and a half percent beer. That's just bloody ridiculous. And you don't want to know what beer it is. I'm not telling you. It's fucking <laughs> is it, terrible. Is it, is it, so, is it three and a half uh, West Coast uh, lager? No, no, no. No, it's just a lager. Okay. Just a very cheap one. But cheers, man. Cheers, I really buddy. want to try that Pilsner. I'm telling you, I'm very proud of this beer. It's absolutely delicious. Oh, man. This beer. Um, should we, um, like, uh, talk about Untapped? Go ahead. <laughs> there okay. you go, another round. Did I miss anything? I wanted to, I wanted to tie, I wanted to, call the title of this episode untapped is a steaming hot mess for brewers <laughs> oh i totally forgot about your title sorry hendo yeah no that's fine no no you can just put special guest mazin um that's okay this so my, we i new beer, by the way hop swap i saw oh, yeah, cool. limited release. i haven't had it yet i had i had the east coast by the way we did the blind tasting on on uh hazies uh, hazy pails and and yours came Excellent. Oh, nice. Excellent. Very, very good job on the uh, guys for the brewing. Thank you. 
Yeah, sorry, Hendo. I, I got That's your right. message during the week and then totally forgot about the untapped thing. So let's get into yeah. that. So let's talk about untapped. So um, I had seen on social media this week that um, Mazin was having some stresses reaching out to uh, untapped and that sort of thing. Uh, and and, and um, Mazin often reaches out to me on a, on a Sunday just to check in and it gives me, gives me a phone call. It's very rare that people actually pick up the phone. Can I, I've got a point, I've got a point around that actually, because you know how you've got those really annoying friends when you text them and then they always ring you when you text them. Yeah. That's Mazin. That's Mazin. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, a millennial? Yeah. yeah. I am a millennial. Ama- yes, I am. It's a, it's amazing though, but like, Mazin, Mazin will just call you out of the blue on a, on a random on a Sunday afternoon and that sort of thing. He, he usually says to me, Hendo, you're a fucking rock star. You know that. <laughs> Which is how my company got its name from you, Mazin. Is it actually? Enough. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was like um, I, was, I was still like um, working at, at Stone and Wood at the time and Mazin calls me on a Sunday afternoon. He goes, Hendo, you're a fucking rock star. You know that. And I went... That's a bloody good idea. I wonder if that domain name's taken. No, nah. I went, oh, okay, I'll have that. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And I just went, well, there you go. There's a business for later, business idea for later. And commission on this shit. Nice. But anyway. There we go. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll send you some sushi. Did you know that? <laughs> Is that news to you or just news to me? No, no, no. I knew this. I knew right. this. Yeah. Anyway, so Mazin gives me a ring on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, no, actually, I call Mazin, um, and and I saw that he was having some some issues. Sounded a little bit stressed about the issue with Untapped, um, and there was a lot of things in there that I didn't really understand. Now, you know, I haven't I haven't dealt with Untapped, you know, since sort of twenty seventeen, and you know, since I've had a brewing company and that sort of thing. And um, you know, Untapped has always been a part of a brewery's social media strategy and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, it, and, and a lot of user generated content as, you know, social media is and that sort of thing. Um, but it seems like what's coming to the fore are quite a few issues with untapped that are proving to be, to make the platform not particularly valuable to brewers anymore. Okay. Right. Absolutely. It used to be quite valuable. And I think the value of, of untapped to, to brewers has has diminished over the years. Um, and so I think some of the main things um, that that are problematic for brewers is firstly, um, you know, punters making their own, you know, weird comments, you know, like, um, um, you know, like um, uh, I don't like lagers one star when it might be a really good lager, right? It's meaningless. And I get it. People have their own, they keep their own, notes for their own record and all that sort of stuff, which is fine. Um, doesn't need to go on social media and that sort of thing. Um, uh, I think, and then there's some issues that have become apparent with regards to the uh, cataloging of, I suppose is the right word, the cataloging of beers, catalog management or yeah. brand your brand lineup that, that brewery has. You know, brewery has a number of beers and managing that is problematic. And then I think thirdly, um, the issue is is that you can actually, as a brewery, brewery, you can pay Untapped now. I don't know why the fuck would you pay Untapped? What I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think get. we do and pay. I, what do you what do you supposedly and, get when, when you pay? So Untapped has a second set, which is the business account, right? And the business account, if you have a venue, 
and you want your venue to be verified, you pay them almost a thousand bucks a year to get a verified account. And so that's only useful when you have a venue. This is to have because, like the, the beers up on the wall and that kind of thing? Or? So you get the menu on the wall, but you also get a feed of every time someone checks in, you get a little feed below that. Um, honestly, it's we tried it and it's not very useful, but we kind of committed to being part of the whole craft beer movement and, and we kind of kept giving them money for no reason. We didn't even have a venue, to be honest. We didn't have the menu up. It didn't really matter. Who cares? And the menu is very archaic. It's not, you can't really adjust it. But the big, the big problem I think with Untapped is a fundamental question of the reason behind Untapped, right? I think as a brewer, if there are two ways to view Untapped. If you're viewing for, if you're looking for a popularity contest, Untapped is a very good gauge of where you stand. And you can see this with breweries that have tiny volume, but stupid numbers of check-ins because people think they're the hype breweries. And, and high, see, high ratings too. And everything they touch is magic. And even if they make a bad beer, no one dares to rate it badly on Untapped because they look mm. like a schmuck. Um, and then you have, a, you have breweries that are doing gazillions of liters of beer that are, basically get no ratings. Um, but that's the, the, that's the, just the audience, isn't it? Like who, who uses, like how much do you have to love craft beer to use an app where you check in the beers you drink? Like that's like super niche. Yeah. Uh, Dan, if you had, if any if if the if our listeners ever get a chance, there used to be uh, an I think it was a nineteen nineties movie called Beer Tickers. I, I think it was called Beer Tickers. I'm not sure. So pre, prior to the internet, there was a whole bunch of uh, British beer obsessed guys who were part of the camera movement at, at the very early days, who would go around beer festivals and tick beers that they've tasted into logbooks. Right. And, and it's an obsession. And people had thousands and thousands of beers traveling the country, going to beer festivals. It's um, called Beer Tickers Beyond the Ale. I'm just looking at it on IMDb. That's, that's exactly it. And it's a fascinating show because it's, it's before Untapped or Beer Advocate or, or Rate Beer, whatever effect, right? And I think it, 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 it was electronized by Rate Beer and then Beer Advocate and, mm. and finally Untapped. And Rate Beer got bought by AB InBev, so a lot of the brewers stopped supporting it. Um, the problem with Untapped is it can be used in one of two ways. As a punter, you're either keeping a logbook, right? Mm. I, ha- I, I had a guy give our saison a quarter of a star. And I, I, I genuinely got worried i thought he had a bad can so i i, I contacted him on on tap and i said was the beer okay he said yeah yeah, yeah the beer was okay i just fucking hate saisons and that's fair enough he's he's using untapped as a logbook for himself i had this pilsner i fucking hate pilsners half a star quarter of a star fair enough and then you have a bunch of people who are using untapped as a judging mechanism so I don't like Pilsners, but this beer is an absolutely great example of a Pilsner. Five stars. Mm. I have more appreciation of people using it as a logbook because people using it as a judging tool, I'm not sure are qualified to be judging. As you know, Hendo, you, I mean, you're, the, you're mm. the authority on this. Mm. There's a lot of training and sensory and, and uh, that goes into finally becoming it. A qualified judge and understanding the style and the characteristics and all this. 
where untapped has become even more problematic is the fact that they do not allow the brewer to control the creation of his beers. And if someone logs a beer accidentally into your beer, you're not allowed to fix it. So ultimately, the punter can check Hawks Lager into the West Coast Hawkers beer, and you can't fix it. Yeah. We had our double IPA created in 2017 when it was in a bottle. And then we moved to a can. Same recipe, same fucking beer. But we had found that there were still old bottles in the market. So to give people the differentiator of the can, we used the new branding. Well, it wasn't the new branding. It was still the old guy, but we had the can colors. So we created the second double IPA and the idea that we would merge them. Because you have the merging tools on Untapped, right? Hmm. And I've been trying to merge these two beers together, which are exactly the same recipe, exactly the same beer. Since then, now we've moved to the new can. We've went into 440s in the limited release with the new beer. Now it's part of our core range that's coming out seasonally. And every year, someone, some smart ass decides that he's had our beer with a different spelling and creates a new beer. And as a brewer, I have to go and tell Untap to merge them. And then there's this, so they have levels of moderators. Yeah, tell us about that. It's just fucking weird. What the fuck is that? I'm blown away by how much you care about these untapped ratings. This is all fascinating. I literally never look at untapped. I know Eddie does sometimes, but. I couldn't, like like I told you, when someone put a quarter of a star on our saison, that's fair enough. I don't really care. I don't look for gratification on, on, on untapped, right? I genuinely don't. But I think untapped is a tool that the community uses to further the message of beer. And as someone who cares about the community and what's happening in beer, I like to present the right information to the consumers who are ultimately drinking the beer so that they have at least a a proper, clean reference point as to what is going on, at least with our brand, right? Because I I think having having misinformation out on, on a platform like that is not helpful to us trying to build the beer culture. That's, That's all I'm trying to do. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't give a shit if someone thinks it's a, the best Pilsner they've ever had, half a star. I don't care. You know, half of these guys, I, I, my, my answer to them is I'm glad you liked it. I, I would dread to think what you would have rated it if you didn't like it. If it's one and a half star and it's the best Pilsner you've ever had, you know. And, and then you Could have these... Yeah, and, and you have these people who are stuck between two and three stars or three and four stars. Like, dude, it's one, it's zero to five. You don't have to 3.8 stars. How are you coming up with a 0.8? Why is it not 0.375? How much time do you spend thinking about this, Mazi? No, no, I'm not thinking about this. (laughs) The The reason this became an issue was because of the double IPA and me trying to merge these beers together. Before before we get into the moderator thing, can I just can I disagree with you on one thing about the beer judging thing? Um, so you're saying you know, people don't have the skills and experience to judge a beer. One thing we've done with our quality program, and and I think it's a relatively recent thing, is we have, you know, you have people at different stages in the company who have kind of got different palettes and they kind of know more than other people. You know, we've got some guys working for us who really know their shit and we've got other people who are just getting used to it. So you've got that side of things where you've got people going through the sensory and reviewing the beer from a sensory point of view and looking at the aromas and the colours and, the haze levels and all that kind of stuff and the head and the bitterness and all of that. 
But then we've always got another test, which is basically just, do you like it? Mm. And we have, and we have both and like something like untapped and it, not just untapped any, any opportunity where people are talking about beer, whether it's on social media or on untapped or in person, their opinion around whether they like it, I think is every, is every bit as relevant as what a judge thinks. It's more relevant. Sure. I'm not saying they don't have the, no, no, sorry. You, uh, maybe I'm, I misspoke. I'm not saying people aren't qualified to judge the beer. I'm saying if you're behaving like a judge, then you must have some underlying, if you're judging a Pilsner, you need to understand what the characteristics to look for in a Pilsner to make it true to style and whether it's representative of the style. I'm not saying you don't have the taste buds. I, I, a very good friend of mine is a chef. We walked into one of the sensory panels that was held um, by SCUB, um, head of sensory. And they passed around the piece of paper and they said put it in your mouth and the minute you taste something put your hand up and I was there with a very famous chef who is king of flavor and everybody put their hand up and this guy still had not put his hand up because he didn't pick up that sense we all have unique palates mm -hmm. we all have different abilities to sense different flavors layer on top of it are different preferences I'm not saying you have very few people who are super tasters but everybody has an opinion on how it tastes. My opinion of what makes a good Pilsner might not be necessarily correct because I might not know the classification of what makes a good Pilsner just from a technical level. Right, but, but why is that important? Why isn't it okay for you to just not like the beer that you drunk? I'm fine with you not liking the beer, but you can't tell me this is a shitty Pilsner. You can say, I don't like this beer, mm. but you can't say it's a shitty Pilsner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, then so let's, the get into the, let's get into the moderator yeah. thing. Yeah, what was the go with there? Because you were you were on on um, I, I saw a thing you actually posted on Untapped's page, and you said, "I'm after a level three moderator." What what are the different levels of moderators? So I I finally found a local moderator, but they only go up to level two, and then the level three guy sits in Holland, who has never had an Australian beer, but somehow is determined that my double IPA is not the same as my double IPA. Are these employees of Untapped? Or are these like community members? Volunteers. Wow. So they're they're doing the cleaning on all the beers, and and for the last year, uh, ever sorry for the last season, ever since we released the last Imperial Stat batches in the, in the winter, they've been determined to tag everything as a vintage of my 2021 barrel bourbon barrel aged Imperial Stat coffee. So even my 2016 bourbon barrel aged imperial stout is a vintage of the 2021 and it makes no sense so you constantly have to go in and fix that information because ultimately this is customer facing when someone who doesn't know your beer logs in to check this is the information that's being presented it's not that i care about on top it's i care about how my company the information that's being relayed about my company is out there in the field i don't care if people think i'm cool or not i don't Give two fucks. I don't like popularity contests. I value, personally, I see the reaction of consumers by how they buy beer, right? That's ultimately they're paying money as a vote. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what's on Anta. But I care that anywhere that is saying something that is not accurate about my beer, which may be the first point of contact of a consumer that doesn't know my beer, for at least for them to have the right information. But how is, and, how is that different to someone at the pub saying, I just had the Hawker's 
whatever and I didn't like it because I don't like Hawker Saison or something. I didn't like it because I don't like Saison. That's that's a misrepresentation. I'm not I am not I am okay with someone saying I didn't like it. Mm. What I'm not okay with is someone saying no, it's not a saison, it's an imperial stuff. Mm. Yeah. That's what I'm not okay with. I don't care if someone says zero stars. That's their that's their opinion. That's their own taste. And I have no judgment on it because their taste is unique to them. Mm, mm. I have no problem with that. But do I you have use, a problem with Do you use who, Untapped as a like a source of because we actually do this as a source of all the beers you've released? Do you use Untapped for that? Isn't yes. that is that why you want the data to be accurate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I care. If I put out Lucky 13 is a is a Bohemian Pilsner, that's 5.4%. I don't want the moderator to go say, you know, this is a hazy IPA. That's 3%. Mm. I don't well, lucky, want to have- lucky, lucky 13, 2022. Yeah. I, I don't want to have a new beer in my portfolio that I never brewed. Mm. I know I brewed a single version mm. of the double IPA. Nothing has changed in the recipe from inception. So as yeah. a brewery, you feel like you don't, you don't, you just don't have control over your beer lineup and your back catalog and all that sort of thing. And do you think it might be actually related to going back to this beer tickers thing where people go and create new beers so that they get their unique count up? I don't know what, I think it's actually a bit lazy from on top because they've become segmented and, and they're, so I contacted the people that we pay money to as a verified business account. Yep. And I said, I have this problem with my beer. Can you solve it? And they said, go open a ticket with customer support. So I went and opened the ticket with customer support. The problem is, they, I think they are understaffed because they are not communicating back saying, hey, we looked at your case and this is the reason why we're not merging it. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. Like this is a, a, it's kind of a cross between a user-generated content machine and, you know, and, and a directory organization. But they must be making fuck all money. Like, like this must be an impossible thing to manage. They've got volunteers administering these things and they've got users creating content for the thing. And it's only a really niche concept. Like that, how are they even making money? Like it, it, this can't be a huge organization printing money. How are they making thing. money? Think of every pub that is verified in Australia that's paid a thousand dollars. And then think of- how many, how many places you've been to that actually had, like, I can only think of one venue on the Gold Coast that has untapped on their thing. Forget the untapped on, on their thing because you can also shoot marketing through untapped by having badges, announcing events. So you're in a venue close to your venue. You can actually, someone checks in a beer, they can say, hey, Black Ops has a special on whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. They can have a badge of you've drunk five Black Ops beers or whatever. We've never used these functionalities. And but these these we, kind of apps have never historically done well. There's just there's just not a good way to make money on these things. Think of how many bars in the US are on there. Mm-hmm. Think it's of how many you're thinking of Australia. This no, I just think as a, as a concept, this kind of thing is not there's not a lot of money no. to be made. That's not true. Go into your untap of Black Hop, see where your beers are frequently drunk and checked in. Mm. Every bar that has a logo has paid a thousand dollars. 
right, I'm gonna, you yeah, guys right. keep talking. I'm going to do that. Right it's now. really, um, <laughs> it's really interesting as well. It's it's interesting that you mentioned that movie. Six hundred uh, American dollars. It's it's interesting you mentioned this movie beer tickers because I think people who use Untapped are definitely beer tickers. Always up for their unique count. I'm looking at the IMDb page, right? And the very first user review, I'm going to read the first couple of sentences to you because they're fucking hilarious, right? So um, the, first, the top review is a different sort of addiction. It's not surprising that I'd watch this documentary. After all, I make my own beer and have sampled well over 2,500 different beers. However, when I saw this film, I noticed that I'm a complete novice compared to some of these beer ticker folks who pride themselves in tasting and noting every different beer possible. Wow. That was like that was such an untapped user. And this is what I mean. This is super niche. I just I just don't think this. I don't think that's this like is a thing that's, that's making like the, a lot of money. It's super I, niche. I make my own beer, and I've sampled it over two thousand. What makes you make a statement that it's super niche? Think of today. If 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 we log in today to Untapped, just today, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to the Black Ops page or to the Hulk. I'm doing it right now. I, I, I honestly, I don't remember the last I'm time. I'm fucking logging into here. my untapped account because I'm, I'm logging in right now. I don't remember the last time I've done this. Tell me what to do. Honestly, look at this verified thing. So, so hang on. So this month we have 1,735 check-ins as Hulkers. Oh, I've got 1,600. I'm fucking around, eh? There you go. <laughs> so if you scroll a bit lower and it says popular locations, Look at how many of your locations have a tick next to them. Not many. Well, three of my top six. We've got, okay. Well, my top three are Black Ops. And then we've got Tiplers, WA. So we've got three out of five out of the top. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Five out of the top 10. But none of ours yeah. are because I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. So four of yours out of the top 10. And then you have three. With one that is not verified, but this is a but this is a across. So there's four out of what sixteen hundred check-ins. No, no, but these are four, no, these aren't four check-ins. No, I know, but the, I know, but you're saying four four venues out. There's sixteen hundred people have checked in. There's four no, venues. No, 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 no. The top ten venues where your beer was checked in. I, I understand, but mm. but out of sixteen hundred check-ins, the top. 10 is probably the vast majority of those. It's probably a thousand of them. There's only four venues. That's that to me, that's not a lot. Yeah, but Actually, six of those six of those venues, that's 40%, first of all. No, 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 and no, no. Six, but that's that's 40% of probably the the vast majority of the check-ins. Like there's probably yeah, but you barely don't see any check-ins outside below, of that. But but Dan, you don't see how many below them, right? Are verified. And then you have no, a lot but, of yeah. buy the beer and drink at home. There are just just for reference, there are eighty-five thousand liquor licenses in Australia. If they have a thousand venues, that is, that is a million dollars a year out of Australia. That's zero. What you can't do anything with a million dollars. Think of how many they have. Moderators. But think of how many they have in the U.S. They have a hundred times our size of, well, ten times our size of population. Okay. Well, if anyone's listening and have access to Untapped's financials, I, I want to see them. I'll be willing to bet this is not a very, very well. I had, business. I had, I've actually had had a beer with Gregor Voller, who's one of the founders on Tap, but that was back in 2011. I don't know if he's still involved in the company. Um, nice guy. Who owns Untapped? Is it is it still a? Uh, they say sold it. I think so. Right. Got sold to, oh, I don't know, some company that does wine ratings or something like that. So. Vino, Vino or something, right? Vino, Vino Mofo, is it? Oh, no, no, that's, no, that's, that's an online retailer. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, I'm looking at my um, untapped check-in history. Would you like to hear about some of the... Uh, my last check-in was on the 2nd of April, 2016. That's the last time oh, I wow. logged into untapped. Yes, tell me. Um, I'd like to... I, to my last that. beer that I checked in on untapped was a Moby by Salt Brewing Company at Bamborough Cemetery. What the mm. fuck I was doing at the cemetery? I don't know. I think I was at a music festival. Um, I drank a Russian Imperial Stout by Brass Monkey Brewhouse in Stanthorpe. Brass Monkey, I was there about a month ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. That Amazing. was December 2015, mate. Um, was it was, it, was a, it the same guy? Yeah, <laughs> probably. It's got his mobile number on the on the give, label. Give I him a call, get him on the podcast. The he was a very, very label. interesting guy. <laughs> Uh, and then I've got a loop, Lupine Mercy by Hot Dog Beer Works. All right, we're not going into checking. That's amazing. We are. I'm doing it as well. This is awesome. Where do you find this? What's your last beer that you checked in? You just go into the website, you log in, and then you go to my, you go to my. Here we go. Unique. Here we go. I'm here. I actually, I have a story about why I quit Untapped, but I think I've been on here since then because I went to Car and Sellers once in my life, and I checked in every single beer I had. So, the last one was. Hop Nation. That's so fucking Carwin. Well, I'd, I'd never been there before and I only went there once yeah. and I drank everything they had. It was just unbelievable. Last one was Desert Island, pastry stout from Hop Nation. And then I found a farmhouse Imperial stout, which was exciting because we do the French Imperial eggnog stout. Thing. And that was yeah, from yeah, Jest, yeah. Jester King. Um, so that was the last two. But my, my story about why I quit Untapped was when I started using it, I fell into the trap that you were talking about. Mazen, which is I'm sitting there logging my own beers for my own education at the same time, you know, seeing people and friending them and kind of getting into the industry. This is back when, when you were putting out those beers, Hendo, quite a long time ago, yeah. well before we had a brewery. Yeah. And I had one of uh, Lee from White Lies's beers. He had that um, chocolate mm. chocolate stout that he used to do. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I checked it in and I was like, it's just, it's just sweet and kind of gross, and I don't like it. I gave it two stars, and then, well, I, I just, well, I was just, I was just being honest. I was just like checking in the beers, like this is not the kind of beer I like. I don't really want to drink a really sweet stout like this. Anyway, he saw it, and then I saw him at an event like the next weekend. He's like, dude, you gave me fucking two stars, and I felt so bad. Um, so from that point on, I just started giving every beer I drunk five stars. And then I thought that's stupid. It's going to fuck up the algorithm. So now, or, or then I started just not giving them any stars. So all the Carwin beers I drank didn't give them a rating at all, and then haven't used it in two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the, the 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 major problem with Untapped is that if you're looking for true customer feedback, you're not going to get it, right? No, you're going to get a sense of whether you're popular or not by the sheer number of of check-ins. But the problem with Untapped is if you're really Wanting to jump on the hype train, Untapped will 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 almost fashion your behavior as a brewer. You don't brew a pilsner because you know uh, the Hop Nation pilsner that won trophy best beer is only three points. He doesn't want huh? to say the name, does he? Ratten Sorry, I, 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 every time I struggle with the name. What do you just call it? Just call it Rat Dog. Is, is that what it is? That's what it is, Rat Dog. I, I genuinely don't know the name. I'm not being an ass about it. I genuinely struggle with the name. I, I can't remember if, I've, if I'm saying it right or wrong. But Ratron, that which is a fucking great beer. I love that beer. One trophy, 3.75 on Untapped. 
Mm. If the best Pilsner in Australia is 3.75 and the shittiest hazy <laughs> is 3.75, then what are you telling the brewer? If you look at the top... Just don't look at it, Mazen. I'm telling you. Just don't I don't look at it. Damn. Well, it's an interesting thing, mate, because no, no, the no, reason why Dan, we sort of had this... keep saying that. I don't. I yeah. genuinely don't. I, I, I want think my it, to be right. It highlights yeah, no, a very... It highlights a really interesting problem, Dan, right? Because how does a brewery get external feedback about how meaningful external feedback about how their beers are doing in the field? Well, I mean, well, it's the two things, isn't it? It's, it's how the beers are from a quality point of view, which I think the awards are probably the best thing for that. And Correct. Yeah, but how, awards like, are like really, to me, to me, honestly, are really infrequent. Though. That's the issue, right? That, that is, to me, that's secondary. How a beer is going well in the field, for me, is about how much individual venues are selling. Because, like, if you look, like, if you look at our our like, like, I have reports for fucking everything. I like line charts and reports. If you look at all of our products, Goat is our number one selling beer, mm. but Goat is our most widely distributed beer. And I don't know, I don't know the exact number on like how many products sell at each venue, but I would say the most meaningful thing would be to anecdotally choose a few venues if you're keg or if you're bottle shop. Like I can think of a few bottle shops around here that I would put in this category and then talk to the sales rep about how many of those cases you're selling in that bottle shop. And we get the numbers from our tap room. So that's that's a goldmine for us. Mm-hmm. But I, like I know there's a, there's a bottle shop up the street where East Coast Hayes with the right activations and the right story and the right branding and the right product and the right price is their number one selling craft beer by a mile and it outsells Goat and Pale and Hornet and our other beers almost three to one. Mm. And that's that's how I know. Like, I don't, it, it's still not our best selling beer, but that's how I know that's our beer because the, the people walk into the shop, that's the beer they're buying. Yeah. It's nothing to do with ratings, it's, ever. It's, it, 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 exactly. It's, it's nothing to do with ratings, but I think that they're... Are you saying that, you, that you heard, tap, sorry, uh, sorry, Hunter. You, you hit on something very, very unique there. You said with the right pricing and the right activation and the right branding. Yeah. And that is not the feedback from a brewer's perspective. Correct. Why not? Was- why not? Do you know how to make good, good beer, Marzen? Like, why, why do you need people to tell you your beer is good? What's because the, I don't because what's the, it doesn't give you the measure of consistency because you're making batches of goat all the time, right? And you get, and you're getting no feedback as to how consistently well your product is. No, we are and because we know, like, we, we see how well it's selling. Uh, selling and, and, and the quality of the product is, is not the same thing. Right. Well, we, we, I mean, you consider all of those things in terms of the quality and we have our own sensory program and we have all of that as well. Yeah, but, but, but to me, your like, you're, you're making that's, a beer, you're making yeah, a beer what... to sell, right? Of course. So like, like you said about Great Northern, like there'd be some people, there'd be a lot of people, probably a lot of people on tap who think that's a dog shit product. Yeah. But so, in actual fact, it's probably the best quality product that we have is... because it's, it's made for a market that desperately wants it. It's at the right price. It's got the right branding and people buy it. Right. So this is where this is where the the um, this is where I put on my um, my Gladfield red flannel right and and give you the brewer's perspective right. What every brewer in this in 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 around the world would love would be meaningful feedback to to know how their beers are doing in the field um, by um, um, by people who have a standard of uh, being able to assess beers. 
not too dissimilar, but you know, not too dissimilar to a beer judge, not necessarily in the same setting as a competition, um, but knowing that the standard of that person who's evaluated the beer um, is known, you know. You, and, are you talking about about like every brewer or people like more junior brewers, more senior brewers? Every every head brewer wants to know how well their beer is doing out in the field, different batch to batch. Think of mystery shoppers and the value in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a mystery shopper because you're right. One of the measures that... But you walk walk into the tap room and you talk to customers and you can... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, but 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 you said you'll be right across the country. The awards give us an opportunity to get judged by judges and... And a lot of the brewers brew for that event. So they, they make sure that they get the freshest batch, right. handled correctly, mm. brewed to spec, sent there. Well, okay, you ship a beer out and it sits on a shelf in Toowoomba for, for six months. How's that beer tasting? Do you, do you have any idea? Do you have any feedback on that? Mm. And, and I agree with Hendo as a brewer. I'd like mystery shoppers around the country to pick my beer off the shelf at different intervals in, our, in its history and tell me, look, you're, you may have an issue with oxidization mm. in this mm. beer. How's it tracking over time? Interesting. It's important. Because, and, and, so, and that's something that's not related to sales. That's, that's Sales give no information to a brewer whatsoever. Oh, I don't know, about, so, that. I, I don't um, know about that. Uh, sales, sales don't uh, give some, but not all the, it doesn't uncover everything that a brewer would like to know. Every brewer wants to make better beer. Right? And they need the data to be able to make decisions around making their beer better. And if you've got a beer that's aging, and let's say you had lots of people trying the beer and that sort of thing, you could actually see how it's tracking over time. Then I, as a brewer, can go, hmm, the aroma of this beer is dropping off quite quickly. Maybe I've got a dissolved oxygen but issue you, or something you, like that. Do you have your own retention library for that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's true. But it also we've, says a lot about... We've got that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you but, have a retention but library, but are you are you replicating the transport conditions of that beer sitting well, on a shelf in different places? It's it's also that, and and also it's your own crew, right? Mm. Who only try your beer and can get quite numb to it because right. they, they're only trying your beer and they don't have the breadth in their palate that they're tr- that they're trying lots of different beers. See, this is why I think it's important. Like, like anytime I look at all of the kind of the brewery crowdfundings, they're always saying this is how many places our beer is distributed and this is our number of customers. Mm. To me, like, that's not, that's not a valuable metric. Like, what's valuable is how many people at each individual store is buying that beer. And that will, mm. like, it'll, I, I feel like that will give you very good information on the quality of the beer because if, if our beer is not selling in, in a WA independent bottle shop where everything else is right, then, you know, am I counting that as a distribution distribution point because that adds to my total vanity metric of 3,000 customers or mm. am I seeing a red flag that my beer's not selling there? There's probably something wrong with how it's tasting. Mm. You don't know. Or you've got am a, I not activating it correctly? Or is someone else yeah. activating their beer that better than I am, which doesn't necessarily solve my QC issue? Mm. Well, maybe there's, an, maybe there's an opportunity for, for an untapped for beer judge even more niche than the current one yeah, beer I, I judging mean, think of it this way in the if field. i sent my beer and and i hope you guys think we make this beer if i sent my beer into that bottle shop next to you and it didn't move 
is that a reflection on the quality of my beer or is that a reflection on you have the locality, exactly. you have the ability to, to, yeah. to promote, you have the ability to activate that product in that, in that tap. So I'm, yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting no feedback on whether my marketing is failing, the fundamentals of my product in that shop because I'm in the long, wrong locality competing with Black Ops who have their local, bar, local uh, bottle shop. Mm. Or is it quality? I have no way to gauge. I think um, sales reps are really good for this too. Like our, like our, like we have, like we have, we have a quality, obviously a system. If someone says a beer is not tasting good, it goes through the system. And quite often a sales rep, if it's like you said before, if you're on the ground supporting it in your area, it's quite easy because you send a sales rep out to the venue and you can very quickly work out what's going wrong. Mm. Um, it's much, much more difficult if you're, like you say, you're not that so keen to yeah. send through distributors mm. interstate. That, that, that makes it a lot more difficult. But I, I just don't. Don't know if something like Untapped is really all that useful for that. No, and that's and that's 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 my that's my point. I think that there's 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 something significant missing from the feedback loop for brewers for the quality of their beer. It's missing. So we need a we need a we're we're starting a business here. We've got a a mystery sensory mysterysensory.com. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And we're, they're going to be verified sensory experts and pay 600 bucks a month yeah. and we're going, to, we're going to make a shitload of money. Think of America. Well, let's see. <laughs> I mean, look, if they weren't making money, they wouldn't be around for so long. Someone, someone's going to send us their financials and, and one of us is going to be right. All right. I have no idea. I genuinely have. I actually don't even give a damn, honestly. All I care about <laughs> is... If someone lists my beer, I just want it to be the correct listing. That's it. That's all I care mm. about. Well, That's I fair. hope you find your uh, level level fucking five. Fucking oh, right. It sounds like it sounds like it sounds like fucking um, you know like Diablo three or fucking Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. You know? so, wait, what, so wait, what was the, what was the outcome of this? Did it get resolved? Nothing. No huh. contact from me. Dropped that. Huh. Nothing. This is the whole point of the frustration. Is as a brewer. If someone can create the wrong beer in your portfolio that doesn't exist, and you as a brewer, the owner of the brand, have no recourse to call the company and say, this is bullshit, what's the value of that company? Nothing. They, they, they're missing the point of their value. It's valueless. They're losing that. that, that they're no longer a social media. If, if anyone can create a Mazen Hajar on Facebook and... If I report it as a fake profile and Facebook decides, nah, Mazen Hajar lives in Zimbabwe and works in flying kites and has my picture, what's the value of being on Facebook ever again? Yeah. Nothing. All right. Well, if any of our 12 listeners works at Untapped, give, give well, me if you're a, That's exactly. if you're a If you're a level five druid playing D&D that has Untapped, reach out to Mazen. Right. We've got um we've got a new we've got the final segment is called hard questions. Oh, here we go. And oh well this we were gonna ask each other hard questions, but what Hendo, why don't we just give them Mazen ones mm-hmm. and see how they go? And then we'll go from there because we've been going for quite a while. Yeah, what have we got? Um, my one is what's the most you would do to secure a tap? Since you don't like tap contracts, what what would, never, what would you do to get a tap? The tap? I'm happy to discount the beer. I wouldn't secure a tap. I'm happy to offer a discount and marketing support on the tap 
not cash marketing support, but discounts on product. I'm happy to create events around it. I'm happy to work with the venue to the benefit of the venue. I am never willing to contract a tap. Would you ever and, give and I, would you ever give free kegs to get a tap? I don't give free kegs to get a tap, but if the if the if the venue has an event, I might support the, if they have their staff birthday or if they have a karma keg where they're trying to raise money for someone or if they're trying to raise money because they want to put up a sign or something. Absolutely. I'm, I'm more than happy to support the, the, the bar. But again, it's not conditional on locking the tap. Right. I never lock a tap. So you would never, so if a venue comes to you and says, we're opening a new venue, we've got two craft beer taps, Stone and Wood's taken one of them, they're giving us four free kegs and some marketing support. What can you offer for the second one? I can offer you the best pricing and the best support you're going to get and as long as you use my beer you can continue to benefit from that pricing the minute you knock me off the top you go back to normal pricing and and my pricing is very transparent that price list is available to everybody there's no secret under the table deals i you tell me that you want to run your customers like my pale ale and you're going to give me a run of a year that saves me on my my cost of selling to you and i'm happy to share that benefit with you and you know what? You change your mind halfway through. I don't have a contract with you. Black Ops gives you a better deal. Good luck. I genuinely don't have a problem with that. I, I, and no one should have a problem with that. I understand the value of locking taps and having a predictable revenue stream and being able to, but ultimately it's self-harming. The, the excitement we have in this industry is from the variety. It's not a zero-sum game. Yeah. Someone goes home and doesn't drink a a hawker's beer and drinks a black hops beer, I've still won. I've won because that person who drank a black hops beer at some point is going to come back and drink a hawker's beer. Mm. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to grow the segment, the pie for everybody. I'm not trying to grow the pie at the cost of everybody else because if we ultimately become 10 big brewers in the country and everyone else has disappeared, the consumer loses interest in us. Mm. I want the tap. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> of course you do. Everyone does. <laughs> Mazin wants the tap, but yeah, you know, I want the tap. Just, but no, I'm, that's I'm, that's I'm interesting. Yeah. Well, what, but what happens when what happens when all your competitors are offering something for the tap and you're not? That's Sorry, it. I'm out of that race. It's a rat race, man. I yeah. don't care. Okay. It's a principle thing. Mm. It's it's not to sell out your principles for how many taps are you gonna get? A hundred? Is it worth it to jeopardize the whole industry and, and, and fuck a hundred other brewers? It, it, it's just money at the end of the day. I mean, are we in this to, to grow the industry, grow the community around us? Genuinely, I'm not, I'm not being this hippie. Mm. I think people see value and, 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 and see through. Uh, like you said, people know we never contact taps. Whenever we have a tap, it's because the bar sees value in what we offer them. It's not because we've given them money. Yeah. It's no benefit to them if we give them a bit of money up front and then the beer they have on there never sells. But they're stuck on this tap. If our beer doesn't sell, they can fuck us off for something else. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Kendo, you got a question? Yeah, I got a question. So a few years ago, I stopped by your brewery, Maz. And uh, you're in one of your uh, what's the right word to use? Um, no, no, not competitive, passionate moods. Yeah. Right. 
where you were you were having a day and you said and you said to me you said beer in this country is too fucking expensive right yes and you showed me this video i think it was from stone brewing or something like that uh do you remember the one that you you showed me there and and you said the beer the keg i think it was keg related to keg specifically Mm -hmm. you said keg beer in australia is way too expensive do you still hold that point of view uh and if not or, or what's changed, or if so, well, I mean, first why is that still the case? When when we were having that conversation, what was the typical price for the keg and wholesale? Oh, two forty, two fifty. Yeah, yeah. Come to Melbourne right now. You can get a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy, hundred and eighty dollar keg. Really? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. All over the place. We're not going to name names right now, yeah. but I can tell you, there's lots of brewers doing that, mm. and. The benefit of, well, sorry, but if you're a production, I mean, one of the things that Dan mentions is that value of death between a million and two million liters, right? Mm. The value of death for American brewers is up to four million liters. If you're a production facility in the US and you're not able to sell four million liters, you're in the wrong business. It's that kind of ability to drive economies of scale ultimately creates more market share right mm. consumers are, are willing to pay a certain premium for craft beer up to a certain level you can't expect a, a consumer to pay 90 dollars for a case of lager. just it just won't happen mm. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't take away from the value of, of your the product that you're doing you're just pricing yourself out of the market and the few people who buy that beer are not going to be able to reach the 95 percent of people that don't drink our beer right mm. ultimately you need quality, you need branding, you need activation, and you need pricing. You need to be able to put the things on the shelf, and you need to be able to create the pull from the shelf to grow the, to grow the segment in the market. It's a healthy thing to be more reasonable in our margins, because the more reasonable we are in, the, in our margins, the more we are able to sell, the more economies of scale we have, Ironically, the more margin we will have on the bottom end. A lot of people look at Rover and they think, what the fuck are you doing? We actually make very healthy margin on Rover. We're not selling beer at a loss. I, my dad doesn't own an oil. I, this is my life savings invest, invest, invested in hookers. This is everything I have. I don't even own a house. Mm. I make beer that, if, that, that one, hopefully appeals to beer drinkers because it's good quality beer. And I make it in multiple uh, places. So, you know, when I make a limited release beer in, in, in 440 mil cans and in stupid ABV, I charge a premium for it. Be- well, I charge a reasonable premium for it because it costs me a lot more money to make. But mm. I'm also trying to, to reach that 95% of the market. Do I think that craft beer is, is very expensive? I think we are closer to where the mainstream brewers are today than when we had that conversation. When we had that conversation, Brewers were charging $80 and $90 for a case of pale ale. Mm. In America? No, uh, no, yeah. here in Australia. Oof, and, today, and today, you can get a decent retail cube of beer for $50, $55 or a full slab of beer for $55, $60, $65, mm. right? right? And I think that is reasonable. You can expect consumers to pay $5 extra, $10 extra for a slab of your fridge filler beer. I'm not talking about specialty stuff with very expensive ingredients that has, you know, a big hazy that has 30% plus on the yield. 
I'm talking about your pale ale and your lager and your pilsner and your whatever other beers are there. That's how we attract people. Mm. That's how we grow the market. Because that person who buys that fridge filler is going to be enticed to the next time drink a hazy or next time drink a, a West Coast IPA or next time drink an Imperial stuff. I remember when you first came out with Rover, and it's a very good insight there, Matt, so I appreciate that. I remember when you first came out with Rover and you were going to put it in the little grenade bottles. <laughs> yes, and you know what happened? We were, So I, that was the predecessor to Rover in cans, and it was mm. exactly that, selling a 12-pack with a reasonable margin, except we we made the mistake of 12-packs don't fit in the, into the fridge, so mm. bottle shops were ripping them open and then putting the singles thing, yeah. into the fridge, right? So so bottle shops were pulling them open and putting the single bottles. And all of a sudden, Rover was more expensive than Hawkers. And why would you buy Rover? Mm. Mm. And because it's a 12-pack back then, they were taking the margin that they would take on a six-pack rather than somewhere between a six-pack and a carton. Yeah. So it became very expensive. When we went into a 24-can carton, to be perfectly honest, what launched Trover is a bottle shop in Adelaide who had kicked out the Furphy sales rep and decided on his own to run a similar margin on Rover as to what he was getting out of the CUB and Lion products, just to piss off the Lion rep. Mm-hmm. And he ran with Rover at $50. We were selling it super expensive and we were only able to move it cheaply cheaper, not cheaply, because there are still beers today that sell, that are wholesaling cheaper than Rover. So we're not the cheapest beer out there. But mm. we move it cheaply by moving pallets of it. Which mm. one, it's a one transaction, the shipping cost is much lower, yada, yada, yada. It's economies of scale. And, and he, he ran it at $50, and all of a sudden the other bottle shops that were putting it at $65 were hammered on social media. You're ripping people off. They all dropped to the similar price level. And it eventually settled between $50 and $55 in the country. So the margin on Rover is frustrating for us because it's much less than the, the, what they take on a hawkers. But they know they can move shit tons of volume. And any brewer out there that thinks that moving six packs is the way to achieve volume is living in la-la-la. Mm-hmm. 60, 70% of the Australian market is case buys. Mm-hmm. If you're out there excited by the fact that your beer geek, your beer ticker is going in there and buying a can, a can, a can, a can, and they're doing the rounds, you're never going to move serious volume. Yeah, mm. but but not to say that moving volume is the only... No, no, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I agree, but if you're a production facility, your aim is to move volume, right? You're not a little... You're not you're not Lesseren or Wildflower or, or these guys who are... Hyper-local. You know, experimenting. Sorry? Or hyper-local and nation, yeah. Yeah, who are, who are producing these very high-end, very difficult-to-replicate products that are unique in their own approach. Right, but I think, I think there's still this, I think there's still a bit of a misconception that you need to, I think the focus on leaderage, and maybe this is a conversation for another time because we've been going for a while, but the focus on leaderage and volume, like I've seen, it's it's almost like the focus on the number of distribution points. To me, it's not a, it's not a number that's all that meaningful. I don't think because like you see these breweries that are just focused on volume, their beer is very cheap and they're selling a lot of the kind of beers that, that are cheap. Um, I don't think they're making any money and I don't think they're necessarily improving their brand because they're competing against 
the mainstream beers that can make it way cheaper and way bigger and probably better quality. So it's a bit of a slippery slope. And then I agree with you 100%. And, and it shouldn't be about literage. It should be about profitability of the brand, right? And so one of the basic analytics that we did, we used data analytics to really analyze the cost of shipping things everywhere and to understand what margins we were making and what is the cost of servicing a client, right? If you walk into a client every week and they order a carton of beer, then your cost of servicing that client is very different from the client that you walk into twice, uh, once every two weeks and who buys five kegs, right? It's a totally different ballgame. So ultimately focusing on the areas where you are profitable because literage is a big misconception we found. And to go one step further, it's not even important. COVID taught me a very costly and expensive personal lesson. I moved to Australia in 2014. And this move contributed, if not cost me a divorce. And my ex-wife stayed in Lebanon with my son. And my dad died when I was 10 years old. So I'm very attached to my son and I've always been determined to be a present father and do the right thing by my son, right? I'm, I'm obsessed with doing everything in my power to give my son the next opportunity. And in my mind, everything that I did at Hawkers was laying the groundwork for my son to have the best opportunity going forward in life. Whether he decides to be a brewer or not, doesn't really matter. I wanted to build a comfortable base where he could come off. And COVID locked me away from my son. I haven't seen my son in a year and nine months. I finally get to see him in 14 days. It's the fucking happiest day of my life. Oh, nice. Are you going overseas? I am. I finally got an exemption from Scotty from marketing and his band of fuckwits. Okay, well, um, it's just got political, but I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so so, so the, being locked away from what's precious to you focuses on, I'm, I'm working my ass off chasing the sleeterage, but is this really what's important? Or is it important that I get to a point where I am comfortable in the business that I'm running, where I can afford to spend a bit of time away from my passion, which is the business, and actually look at the really important things in my life? And that's where today we are at Hawkers. It being able to restructure during COVID and fix, cut, cut the fat off and figure out what was important for us actually turned our company around in profitability. Mm. We saw a massive jump in our profitability. We're seeing, I, and again, like we were talking before, before it's, it's, a, bit of, it's a bit of survivor's guilt because yeah. the brand is actually growing at a faster rate than it ever did beyond the first initial startup, right? I mean, you know, last month we were north of 30% up while we have lost contract and we have lost kegs and we have lost camera and we have lost Queensland. Mm. You know, our engagement on a B2C level is fucking massive for us. And it's, it's great and it's comforting because I, I know that I can take time off from the business every now and then and go see my son and, and spend time with what's important to my life. Oh, that's good. I'm, glad, I'm glad it's going well because I know some of those early calls we had at the start of COVID were a bit scary. We were all a bit yeah. fucking freaked out, especially especially Melbourne because it's, it's a whole yeah. different ballgame. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, it, you know, you're absolutely right. The literature is, is, a, is a delusional measure of your success. Yeah, and also a little bit, also a bit misleading. I think the way people talk about it, it seems, it seems, again, probably <laughs> topic for another time. But it's sort of like 
you listen to a podcast and they're talking about the the brew house capacity literage and I'm thinking like that's like renting a 10,000 square meter shed and putting a little tap room in the corner and saying you've got a 10,000 square meter business like it's not it's not relevant mm. like what's relevant is how much beer you're selling and if you're actually and, and, making and money last, on the beer. Last year we sold 30, this year we sold 30, 35,000 liters of Imperial stuff. Is that the same as selling 35,000 liters of a, of a cheap lager? Right. Yeah. Like what, what, what's that value? It doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. All right. That's about an hour and a half. Hendo. what do you reckon? I, I, I do have some, uh, some fan questions that we didn't get to last week, but I don't know. Are you guys exhausted or what? Ah, let's go. Come on. Let's do a fair question. All right. Actually, quite good. Um, I might start with Darren Hill, who, so when I put this on Facebook, Darren's one of our investors, a really smart guy. Um, He hit me with like five questions at once because this is what he does for a job. He's kind of like a business coach guy and he he knows all the questions to ask. So this this was one of them. Um, If the government could change three things to boost the craft beer industry, what are they? Mazen can go first. Access to markets. Have a fair playing field out there for all the brewers to have equal access to the market. I'm not saying subsidize the weak ones. I'm saying give them a fair go. So don't allow tap contracts, which nowhere in the world are allowed anymore. Equalize alcohol tax. This idea that they gave us $350,000 is actually more damaging to the industry than it first looks like. Mm. Because if you're a small brew pub, all of a sudden, all your alcohol production is, is free. And as a big brewer, your $350,000 is neither here neither there Venus, as a regional yeah. brewer. It's, it's, it's fucking peanuts. You're still not addressing the fact that wine pays less tax than beer. So have an equal taxation regime. So equal tax market access. And the third one is a bit of openness from our um, supplier market. So th- there's an obsession with duopolies in Australia. And just look at the grain. It's either Grain Corp or, or uh, um, what's the other one now? Uh, I forget. Uh, or it's, 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 you know. Balls and Woolies. Uh, hot products of Australia. Or, or, or even into that, right? So the three things uh, for me are that. Mm, that's a very pretty succinct answer. Did you want to answer that, Hendo? Or are we just happy to yeah, my, my three, my, mine's also very succinct as well. I'll, each of the three things comes from each of the levels of government, you know, in, in the country, federal, state, and local government. So, so um, federal government, um, I would say ex, uh, alcohol tax reform. Um, the, you know, the fact that it's 13 cents, per, you know, we talk about a standard drink, which is, you know, 10 grams of ethanol. Um, a standard drink, you know, 10 grams of ethanol, if it's wine, is 13 cents in tax. If it's beer, it's 56 cents. And if it's spirits, it's 70-something cents. That's That's got to change, you know. Alcohol should is alcohol. It doesn't matter what form it comes in. That needs to be fixed, first and foremost. Uh, secondly, from the state level, uh, there needs to be um, some consistency around uh, state-based uh, liquor licensing for um, craft breweries and what they're able to do as producers. Yeah. Um, as, as producers and wholesalers, um, it's just it just varies from state to state, and it's just you know it, it it's, there's no consistency around it. Uh, and thirdly, and I and in my opinion, I think this is probably the most important one. 
from the local government level, we need an absolutely fundamental fix to town planning, de- development applications, right? Uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, a definition uh, of right what a brewery is and how to get it approved to open. What what a brewery is has changed in the in Australia in the last twenty years, and the councils still haven't fucking caught up. Yeah, yeah, they still think that a brewery is. Uh, you know, Forex in Milton or CUB in Abbotsford or something like that. Mm. Um, they just don't see it as a as a as a as a big kitchen in a restaurant. You know, um, and um, and I think fundamentally that has to change. You know, I deal with a lot of clients who are building breweries, and and all the time it's DAs, 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 and how there's different rules in different locations, even within the same local council. Uh, you know, authority and that sort of thing. You, you you put in a DA, you get a different town planner who's assessing it. He has this view. This one has another view. Nothing's com- applied consistently, and it's very very problematic. I think it, it holds it holds back the mm. the industry. Yeah, all that's right. my that's well, that's my own. They're all very good answers. I don't I don't I don't have an answer to the question, but I I I you just I, ask the questions. Yeah, no, but I do have an observation that. Um, there is a lot, there's a lot of money going into our industry at the moment through things that people aren't talking a lot about. One is the R&D grant, which doesn't come up a lot, but every brewery I know is, is claiming this in some way. Um, We're not. What's that? We're not. All right, well, I'll DM you after. Um, <laughs> the, other, the, other one, the other one is um, there's a lot of money being thrown around for sort of regional grants or, or manufacturing um, innovation type grants. Like there was one announced this week, Beer Farm, we've got a big regional grant. There was one yeah, last $900, week. $900,000. There was one last week, I can't remember who it was, but Blaster in WA were before before that. There, I don't Holgate, understand exactly. Holgate got $2 million, I think. Right, right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of money being thrown around in these grants. We haven't, we haven't participated in any of them. I don't know if you have Muzzin, but um, this it's an interesting one because well, Brew, well, Brewdog did get something, didn't they, we, when they started in Brisbane? In year one, because we happened to be in an area that was losing jobs because of the car industry. And right. ever since then, we haven't participated. At yeah. startup, we participated, yes. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, there's a lot of these things going around. So I, I've got my own. It's not, nothing's ever come up that sort of suits us, but um, every week it seems to be another story about another brewery getting a lot of money to do something, which is, which well, is kind of interesting. How else are you going to pay for that bloody white fucking Lotus or whatever there is in the background? In the, there, exactly. Ferraris, Ferraris. This, is, this is the they difference Ferraris, between they? my actual garage and my fake Zoom picture. But Dude, your Volvo is amazing. I do have a Volvo. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. Question number two from Andrew Eggins. So Andrew used to run the Surface Sandbar on the Gold Coast, which is one of our early craft beer customers. Um, he's, he's moved now and he's in, into architecture and out of the industry, but um, he replied on my Facebook, how does taxation affect your pricing structure and business model in comparison to wine spirit industry? So we may have kind of answered that already. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one place we haven't answered that is the disincentive, um, the, the, the kind of damage that the, the $350,000 does make to the industry. If you're a brew pub and you're only tapping 50, 60, 70,000 liters a year, and you know that you can get away with 150,000 liters of zero excise. You have, a, you have an artificial incentive to produce extra literature, stick it in kegs and sell it cheaply because you're not paying tax right. on it. Right. And you have an artificial ability to sell cheap beer and drive the price down. 
which can be very detrimental where it's not actually driven by, it's subsidizing products that might not necessarily be competitive on the market. And so you think it should be just a, just a, a level price as opposed to a bunch of cash? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if they take away the 350. I know a lot of brewers are going to strangle me. I'd rather have a level playing field for all the alcohol because I think when wine is taxed like beer, you're going to see a lot of wine drinkers stop drinking wine and start drinking beer. Mm. Mm. Yeah. When you can still buy a $2 clean skin of seven standard drinks wine. It's mad. Yeah. Or grog. Just a fucking box of wine. Yeah. All right. Last question from this brutal world. The ins and outs of contract brewing would be interesting. What's required from each party, paperwork, legal-wise, et cetera? And you're probably a good person for this, Mazen, because this is something you've done a bit of. Yeah. Hey, I've done a little bit of that too. You have? Yeah. Well, we started <laughs> as a contract brewed brand as well, so we might all have some insight. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 100% supportive of contract brewing just because a lot of brands do start off as contract brewing, and it's a, it's a way for people to test out their ideas without it lowers the barrier of entry for a lot of brewers who might have great ideas, but are just looking to have a proof of concept before they can go out and raise money and do their own thing. Right. I'm a hundred percent supportive of contract. Right? I think it's a great way to also encourage community atmosphere because you get to talk to other brewers, help support them, share ideas, share resources. It justifies bigger investments in, in plants. The, 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 the big problem that I have with contract brewing these days is, is the, the way contract brewing is being used by the big players in the market. Yeah. And that's, that's where there is a lot of misinformation and, and, and uh, misleading the consumers. Case in, points, case in point, Stone and Wood brewing the three and a half at Coca-Cola mm-hmm. at Yenda um, and, and pretending that it's a, it's a Stone and Wood. I mean, every hippie in Byron Bay thought that this is their local brand when it's being mm. brewed up at Coca-Cola or when um, much of the, of the big chain uh, products are being uh, brewed to look like craft beers, right? Oh, you the supermarket chains like mm. Zitho yes. and all the other yeah. ones you see in BWS and Dan's, that sort of thing, yeah? Right. 100%. And mm. so I, I see that as a potential. And I understand why they're doing it. I mean, you have to place yourself from the... The supermarkets aren't, it's not a simple question of being greedy, right? They're fighting to also fight off CUB and Lion Nathan that have traditionally forced stupidly low margins, sometimes even at a loss um, to, these, to these chains. They basically make no money off selling that crap beer uh, because those guys have such a dominance of the market. So the, the, the market duopoly that we have between Lion and CUB is actually not just damaging to the it's not just damaging to craft beer culture, it's damaging to these big supermarket chains. And in their defense, they are growing their own brands to counterbalance the big guys and the pressure that these big guys are doing. I don't think it's an attempt to jump on the craft beer bandwagon and somehow be dishonest. I think it's a fight back, a pushback on what, what CUB and Line Nathan have been doing for years. Mm. Okay, Hendo, you got the gypsy trophy there in the background, so you must mm. have an answer mm. about contract I, 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 tell, I, I tell people who you know they, they go oh, I want to dip my toe in the water and test the market you know with my brand and that sort of thing um, and those that are particularly who, who aspire to build a brewery who are probably undercapitalized in the first place 
I just tell them not to waste their time um, because I don't think that you can. I think I don't think I don't think given the value of death and given that a gypsy brewer or a contract brewer does doesn't get the three hundred fifty thousand dollar excise refund, it's impossible to compete against that. You know, and I just mm. say, look, don't bother. You know, take your money instead of spending it on beer. That's going to make a little very meaningful margin, if if anything. Go spend that money, go build a brewery, or put it into operating capital for your own brewery and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I disagree with you, Hendo. I mean, look at look mm. at you know, Brooklyn Brewery up until two years ago was still contract brewing. Yeah, Six Point was still contract brewing. Uh, C- Cigar City was still yep. contract brewing. Oh, of course. I mean, but these, the, 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 I talk I talk about specifically in the context of the issue of an Australian contract brewery, mate. I mean, Two Birds Fixation was contract brewing. For sure. Mm. Yep. Two Birds contract brewed for, uh, I think, three or four years before they built the brewery in Spotswood and that sort of thing. Um, Black Ops. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's a great, it is a great way yeah. to start, but but I don't think that it's possible in 2021. Okay. That's that's my that's my um, point of view. You know, when I, when I started in a brew cult in 2013, um you know, you could, you could, you could, unless you, I guess the exception to that is unless you're preparing to, to service a niche, if you can create somehow a gypsy brewer hype brand, you know. Um, well, what about the, what about the, the kind of barrel age beer brands that don't have breweries? Is that, would you class that as gypsy brewing? Like, because a lot of, well, a lot of them don't, do they? What do you mean? Well, they just like have who? barrels and don't have, they don't oh, brew their own beer. That's, they, that's blending. That's that's different. I think you know. Yeah. If you're talking about being a contract brewer or a gypsy brewer, and you're going to have a lager, a pale ale, an IPA, mm. and a porter or a stout or something like that, and be that be that brewing company in the traditional sense, very very difficult in 2021 to to make take that and grow that. And there's a very very long list, Maz, of um, breweries who've attempted it and failed. Yeah, I there's something. There's still something for me that doesn't quite sit right about. Like I like like and like what I said at the start of this, like our the anniversary today is the first beer we commercially made, and we made it at a, be- a brewery up a Mount Tambourine called Beard and Brow, the yeah. only brewery that would take us on at the time. Um, and it was a contract brewed thing. We signed a little contract. We, we had no fucking idea what we we're doing. There's no way in the world we were going to build a brewery. We had no money, no plans to build a brewery. So, you know, I can't sit here and say that contract brewing is no good. Mm. But once we had our own brewery, I, like it's come up before. It came up as, as recently as a month ago. When we realize we weren't weren't going to have enough space for summer, it it comes up and it just doesn't quite sit right with me for for whatever mm. reason. It seems the 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 the, the Coles and Woolies brewing beer at a craft brewery and everyone celebrating that that seems weird to me. Just the idea of making a product and sort of slightly misleading the consumer in a way that you've talked about is uncomfortable to me. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm not saying we would never do it or people should never do it, but there's. To me, there's something about it. It's like that what we do, the beauty of it is we're making stuff and that's kind of what we're celebrating. We're making stuff generally at a reasonably small scale, generally in a kind of innovative way. If you're no longer actually making it, it takes a lot of the beauty and the brand value away. And I think, it's, mm. I think, I think, that's, a, I think that's a challenge and it's something that doesn't quite sit right with me. Dan, I, I, I want to separate two types of contract brewers. So we get a whole bunch of people who, oh, my cousin designed the label. Can you make a beer for me? Can I take your lager and stick my label on it? Yeah. And adamantly, we're never interested in dealing with those guys, right? Adamantly. But 
the, the people we take on as contract brewers are brewers, are actual brewers who might yeah. not have the stainless steel or who might have the stainless steel but need additional capacity. You know, we, we've done contract brewing for clients who suddenly get a big export order but don't have the facility to be able to produce it. And you help them out with tanks. We have never developed a recipe on behalf of any client of ours. Mm. We take the recipes because ultimately, if that beer goes gangbusters, it's their beer. And if that beer goes shit, it's their beer. I get no glory or no pain from it. It can't be just it. it can't be just the recipe though. If, if if all if all of this was as simple as recipes, then like what, what are we doing? I think that the I mean the the kind of mystique of sitting above a steaming brew house is gone these days. You can get automated brew houses, as you know, and you you know all the way from recipe automation can be from press a button here comes the beer out the other side, and you basically do your QC. I mean, it depends, again, so producing beer isn't necessarily this old art of you sticking your mash pedal in and mm. making it yourself. Um, so I, I, I disagree with that. If you think of contract brewing as being the oven, and then it's up to the chef to make the pizza and stick it in the oven, it's his recipe. It's what he puts on that pizza that either makes it a good pizza or not. The, the, the oven is just a brow con with a, with a button that, that's a recipe. I mean, you know, some of these breweries today have a Braucon or a, or, a, or a Crohn's or a G. They press a button and the beer comes out the other end. Is that brewing? Just because they own the stainless steel doesn't mean diddly shit. Right, but that's not you how know? we brew, and that's probably not how you brew either. No, that's not how we brew. You're absolutely right. But just because they own stainless steel doesn't make it any different. I actually love contract brewing because you have a lot of really creative guys out there mm. who have great ideas and dreams in their eyes, but not... But might not necessarily have the money to yeah. set up their brewery up front or who might not have the technical know-how. They're still learning as they go and want to put their feet into the, lowering the barrier to entry into this market creates diversity. It goes again with the same philosophy as staff contracts. The more the merrier. It's not a zero-sum game. We all win if we have more people involved. I'm very happy to support anyone in, in, this, in this kind of industry. What I'm not happy to support is anyone who is misleading mm. the industry, who is trying to nudge others out or, or be a bully in this market. And this gets a bit gray as well, because I think like, I remember when we were starting out in, with our contract brewing and um, building the breweries, Newstead, I remember that one year, they sent the beers down to the ABA, the ABAs, and they got a lot of medals. I can't remember what they won. It might, might not have even been a trophy, but it was a bunch of gold medals. And a kind of a big deal was made at the time about how these beers were contract brewed. I can't remember where, probably brew pack or somewhere. I think as they Kaju. were growing. Kaju. Kaju, yeah. I was there. <laughs> right. Um, but then you, but you've, got a, you've got a local Queensland brewery celebrating the fact that their beer is made elsewhere, but the, the brewery's called Newstead, which is yeah. a suburb. Yeah. I mean, there's something, there's something about that that just doesn't quite feel right. And eventually they took production back and made beer themselves. And to me, it mm. feels more right for a Would company. Would you be today to... in business if you didn't contract group? If you didn't start off that little... No, 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 we wouldn't be. Yeah, no, we wouldn't so, be. So that's my point. It... it it depends on your motive behind it, right? And, and there's a lot of contract brewers who do fail because they don't understand that at the ultimate end of this game is it's a, it's a business and you need to run it like a business. It's having a hobby of contract brewing while you maintain your daytime job is, is, is also 
not really brewing, right? Yeah. You know, being, being an unlikable character like myself and trying to sell beer is stupid. That's why you hire people who are, are better at it. Like, you have to run this as a business. Ultimately, otherwise, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, that was about, that's about two hours. So we did pretty, we did pretty well. Even we're with daylight into, savings, it's still We're getting hours. into bloody like Joe Rogan long form content yeah. at that fucking time. I don't know. 100%. We'll just light up a spliff and go for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> Maz, good to talk yes. to you, mate. Always good to talk to you guys. That was yeah. good. Thanks, mate. Appreciate Hopefully it. We'll raise, we'll raise the subscribers to six this time from five. No, no, we've got 12. Yeah. We hope to have 13. It's 14, I think. I think 14's a good number. 14's a good, yeah, right. 14's a good fucking start, man. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Hard yeah. left. We're on episode three. That's that's like fucking, you know, four a week or something, five a week. Yeah. In 50 years, when this has gone global, can I, can I say I was one of the original guests? You, can, um, you, you were, were the, the original guest. guest. You were the original guest. There's no other way to put it, mate. You were the first guest. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for having me. Cheers, Marzen. Good Thank to see you. you, mate. I'm glad things are going well for you. I'll talk to you soon. Go to the, go to the uh, everyone out there, go to the website, bossandthebrewer.com. Sign up to the mailing list. I just did. And um, oh, nice. yes, loving it. It's great. Yeah, no worries, man. And go, um, go buy some hawkers go, and drink some hawkers. Go buy some, absolutely. Definitely go buy some hawkers or some Rover. Definitely, uh, buy, some, and definitely buy some Black Ops as well. Yeah. And um, give us a rating on the um, podcasty thingos. Yep. Awesome. Cheers, guys. That was a very technical term. Podcasty thingos. <laughs> oh, I don't know how this thing works. I just trust Dan. Right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Cheers, legends. See you soon.